Welcome to Ask the Music Director, a podcast where I get to interview some of my favorite singers, actors, and music makers about what makes them who they are, and they get to ask me, the music director, anything they want. I'm your host, Dennis Curley. Today, I am lucky enough to be talking with Tyler Michaels, a Twin Cities-based actor-singer who first came to prominence with noted performances at Minneapolis Musical Theater and Bloomington Civic Theater, but very quickly rose to take on starring roles with Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, Theater Latte Da, Children's Theater Company, Ordway Center, and The Guthrie. In 2014, he was named City Pages Artist of the Year, and he won the Ivy Award for Emerging Artist that same year. He is the founder and artistic director of Trademark Theater Company, and also a founding member of the Bearded Company Improv Troupe. We spoke at my studio in North Minneapolis. Tyler Michaels, thank you so much for coming over. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is really great. We've never spent a lot of time talking together, so this is this. Is no, be we fun. haven't. It's, well, it, it'll be exciting. Yes, learning <laughs> things. Um, I want to talk about first where I first um, heard about you. Uh, when I when Tyler Michaels first came across my consciousness, I forget what year it is. You can fill this fill in these blanks, but um, I was doing whatever project, and, and I think it was my friend Pete Nelson who said, "Oh, Minneapolis Musical Theater is doing Bat Boy." Oh, yeah, and it, just history for the people listening: Minneapolis Musical Theater still in existence. I don't I don't know. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. They they do what I consider to be a little bit offbeat choices. Totally. Um, I think they did a Mame with Mame as a as a guy in drag. They've done what I consider sort of fringy, culty musicals, they would do, you know, Bat Boy, as we're saying, uh, or Toxic Avenger or Gilligan's yeah. Island, that kind like of Like rarely, rarely produced musical theater. Rarely right? produced musical theater. So I heard, okay, so I hear, uh, they're doing Bat Boy. And first I thought, what's Bat Boy? And somebody talk about it. And they said, but this guy playing the lead role is amazing. His <laughs> name is Tyler Michaels. You've got it. So, so I hear that, right? Some time goes by. And then I actually think I met you with uh, the improv group, Bearded Men Improv, which is now called The Bearded Company, Yes, right? yes. Uh, because I'm friends with MJ Marsh and, and Matt Pittner. And uh, when Huge Theater was opening, uh, I was around there a lot. You guys were around there. Totally. The, the bar is named after you guys. <laughs> and then I feel like I turned around, I blinked, I turned around, and you are starring at The Guthrie in Midsummer Night's Dream and at The Ordway <laughs> and uh, at Theater Latte Da doing the MC and Cabaret. And to me, it felt like, holy crap, that was like five seconds and you are sort of playing all of these huge roles. Is that is that what it felt like to you? I mean, I, I accept that I'm approaching my 50th birthday this year. And at that age, <laughs> time sort of telescopes and something that seems like it was a week ago was 10 years ago. But but did it feel yeah. that fast to you? Yeah, I think I think it really felt that fast after Cabaret for me. Um, I think Peter Rostein, artistic director of La Terra, um, it felt to me like he was taking a chance on me by, by putting me in the MC role. And sort of after that, it just kind of exploded in a really great way. Um, and I got a lot of great opportunities after that. Uh, probably Spring Awakening with La Teda sort okay. of catapulted into Cabaret. And then it sort of just opened up after that. And then just for perspective, what, what are the years of Bat Boy and then say uh, Bye Bye Birdie at Chanhassen and then Spring Awakening? What are those years we're talking sure. about? Sure. Um, oh, boy. Um, I think it's like 20, 2011 is probably Bat Boy, and then 2012 is Bye Bye Birdie and uh, Spring Awakening after that, probably, Okay, I think. Yeah, so, yeah that is So it was all pretty fast. congested, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. so it's not... And then the next year was Cabaret, so 2013 yeah. or 14. 
So all within like a three-year period, those okay. shows were. So it's not my memory playing tricks on me. Yeah. That's good. Okay. And I was out at Chanhassen for a really long time, too. I think like on and off for four or five years, too, kind of in and sure. amongst that. So Sure. And is that... Is that what you expected? Because again, I thought, you know, from from my perspective, total outsider, I thought, okay, he's doing this show at Minneapolis Music Theater. That means one thing. And then I, you know, I see, oh, you're an improviser. And then (laughs) you're now doing all these big shows. Is that, how did you think your career was going to go? What did you think it was going to be? You know, I I never really thought about like what my career was going to be more so just like, uh, can I dip into this market and like see how I do? And if I do well, well, then great. And I can hopefully have some success. But if I don't do great, then I have to, like, reanalyze my life choices. Okay. Um, so so it was, I, you know, it's sort of like, what what could I be successful at? And I think musical theater was uh, easiest for me to do and most exciting for me to do. Um, it's the thing I loved the most when I first came out of college. Um, so... I think that was the trajectory, like, to try and be on the Guthrie stage. Absolutely. You okay. Know? Who, so that, who, that was... Yeah, who doesn't want to do that, you know? Um, I still want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think I think like, I have to get to the Guthrie, I have to get to the Guthrie. It's sort of like, what, what do, what am I able to do that's going to stretch me artistically? Um, What, what roles am I excited about? Um, And can I be like a big fish in a slightly bigger pond? You know, I think Hmm. I started thinking that way in high school. Oh, high school theater is going pretty well. Well, maybe I'll try it in college. And can I be a, a slightly bigger fish in a slightly bigger pond? And then that went pretty well, too. So I moved to the Twin Cities to try it prof- professionally. And it sort of kept going. So so where did you grow up? Uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. Okay. And, uh, and where did you go to college? Uh, Minnesota State University, Moorhead. Moorhead. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's up north. Up by okay. Fargo. Yeah, Fargo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, how does improv fit into that? Like when did, when did you get into improv? improv? Yeah. Um, I've done improv for 11 years now. So we started uh, Bearded Company, uh, formerly Bearded Men, um, in 2006. But you didn't do this in college then? In college, yep. Oh, you did? Oh, mm-hmm. you guys started? You all yeah, we started in uh, Moorhead okay. and then in like 20, uh, 2010... Uh, a couple of them moved down here okay. and started doing things. We would we would drive, you know, three and a half hours on Saturday nights hmm. to come down to what it must have been BLB at the time yeah. to to be a part of Improvagogo. Where did you do it at twenty six oh five Hennepin? Oh, you know, no, the it might have been uh, uh, Old Brave New. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what is now the Phoenix? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but we would, yeah, we would. We were so passionate about it. You know, as an improviser, you have to be ready for any situation thrown at you, you have to be adaptable, you have to be listening, you have to be willing to receive, but also uh, willing to give Mm -hmm. all in the same moment. Um, So I think that sort of combination of physicality and improvisation and all of my traditional training sort of make me into that fearless person, if you want to call it that. Yeah. When you uh, encountered improv Mm -hmm. or started doing improv, however you want to answer it. Did it feel, was there a recognition? Did it feel like, oh yeah, this, this feels like me. This feels like, because mm. you, you guys are, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the group, you guys are, are amazing. There, there are some, there are a lot of groups at Huge. I'll just say this. And some of them are strikingly wonderful. You guys are wonderful. There's a group called um, Foley Moly, 
called Foley Moly, <laughs> nice. which what they do is they uh, some uh, some outside person creates a thirty minute soundtrack. Oh wow! Of sounds and music, and they have no idea what's going to happen. I haven't seen them yet, and they react to that. So, but I think they're like you guys. You you just have a synergy that that many certainly younger groups don't have, but but you can tell that you all know each other, and and mm-hmm. so it feels like it's a fit for you. Did you did you when you encountered improv? Did you think, oh, this is a fit for me, or did you think this is strange, this art form? Uh, no, it felt like a good fit. Um, it was it was another thing. I think that I first encountered it because of friends kind of pulling me into the world. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, you know, I really like creating this comedy sort of on the spot. Um, and we, I mean, we started with short form, you know, sort of like whose line is it anyway mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we started to, we called ourselves an experimental improv troupe in college. Experimental we just, improv. Yeah, we would just, I mean. <laughs> that goes beyond. Uh, yeah, we would, I mean, we would just try stuff yeah. and like sometimes it wouldn't work, but we were definitely taking risks in Fargo-Moorhead for whatever that's worth. Sure. Um, and I think we sort of fell into the more uh, long form narrative style of improv that we do now. Mm-hmm. Um and that felt especially um, like home to me because I think it combined our theater practices and our training with improvisation. So we, we were going we, – I mean we ended up going for more like how do we make like a, a theater piece that's improvised rather than how do we make stuff funny up on the spot, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, Again, I would argue really good improv is the scenic stuff. The, totally. The, um, it's, it's fine to be funny, but – yeah. It's super well, an, interesting to see the other thing happen. There's an expectation that improv is going to be funny. So mm-hmm. I don't think you need to work that hard to be funny. You just have to be honest and the funny will come, you know? Yeah, I absolutely. Think that's, that's a great statement. The Bearded Company used to do a, a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Was that <laughs> was that part of your high school growing up? Or is that or who was the D&D fan oh, in your I group? Oh, I wish it was. I wish it was, ah, I it wish was, my it was life. part of my that's high totally school. totally my life. Um, it was actually more a part of my, like, uh, adult life, okay. actually. Um, the D and D show happened after we became more of a professional company when we moved back down to the cities. I think we had done a couple long form shows, um, maybe for like a year or two years. And then our fearless leader, Matt Pittner said, I want to do a D and D show. And we're like, are you, (laughs) are you crazy? And are you stupid? That sounds just ridiculous. And then he was like, no, trust me. I think it'd be really cool. We could have like a DM on stage rolling dice. And we were like, (laughs) okay. And the idea started out as like, okay, are we going to like have a table set up and we're like actually playing the game, but then we also hop up and play our characters. And we eventually just decided to make it about the adventure. Mm -hmm. So we, I mean, we, we just, figured it out too like we just played around for a couple months and said how does this form best work and we played a lot of D at the time too and, nice um yeah i definitely fell in love with D then that's that's yeah. awesome i love that it's matt's idea i think we share a birthday and now it's nice to know oh, we, share, yeah. we share something else yeah. uh so so then are those those guys are they your best friends definitely okay and yeah. so what what um because a lot of people just think of you as a musical theater actor. What role does improv and your improv group play in your life today? Yeah. Um, it's it's a little... Um, it's spiritual to me, actually. I think um, there's like a thing that improv brings me that nothing else can. I think it's, it's definitely because of the people that I've been with for so long. So, some of the guys I've been hanging out with for 11 years now... Mm-hmm. Um, 
and doing improv almost every week for 11 years. Wow. You know? Um, so there's like a certain, you know, when we stand in a circle, there's like this other form that's sort of like in the middle of that yeah, circle that totally just sort of it. like, yeah. uh, it manifests out of thin air mm-hmm. and we just sort of riff with each other and we're one conscious mind, I think, um, when we get on the stage and it's really, it's lovely. I think half the reason people enjoy watching us is because it's really just five really good friends hanging out on stage yeah. and like playing around with each yeah, other. You can tell. You can tell. Um, so I think it's that. I think it also recharges me creatively every week. Um, so I improvise Friday nights at 1030. And I've been doing at, that for like... At Huge. Yeah, at Huge okay. for probably five years now. And, you know, I'm still doing shows at, at the Guthrie mm-hmm. or, you know, at Chan or at Latte Da. And everybody's always like... <laughs> I'd say, hey, I'm going to a show tonight. And they're like, are you crazy? Because you have two <laughs> shows tomorrow. Yeah. And two shows on Sunday and you've just done a show now and you're going to go to bed late. And it's like, I have, like, I have to do it because it, it rejuvenates me. It, it, it doesn't feel like a stress. It feels like a release. Uh, and I, I think it puts a smile on my face probably more than anything else <laughs> in, in my creative world, in my pr- professional world. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. What do you think about the musical theater scene here in the Twin Cities? As as a as a member of it and and somebody who grew up yeah. in periphery, um, I think it's great. I'm I'm always interested in like where things are going and like how we can grow as a community. Um, I I think we're just so often thought of as like flyover zone in mm-hmm. the like national conversation or international conversation for that matter. Um, but I think we have a lot of rich rich talent here, and I think more and more we as a community are trying to uh, stake some claim in that that bigger conversation by doing new works or doing like mm-hmm. really, really powerful productions or or reimagining productions. I think that's one thing that Latte Da does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, also groups like uh, 10,000 Things who are just like completely changing the name of the game of how to produce theater. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I could name almost every company sure. and say something great sure. about them, but... Um, that's the thing I'm most excited about, though, is how are we continuing to take risks and uh, commit to new voices and uh, new ways of telling stories? Um, I do think if I if I had one criticism about our community, I think we get a little comfortable in what we want to do um, and in uh, producing things that we know are going to be successful rather than taking risks. Um that's a really general statement about the community and probably not, it's not that black and white. Um, but I think if there were one thing that I would like want to find in our community is more risk taking and more adventurous, uh, adventurous producing. Um, because I think there's an audience here for it and we just have to sort of call it out of those people. This is another thing we have in common. Um, Back in 2009, uh, my partner Jim and I, along with our friend Rachel, started a theater company. Yeah. Exactly because of what you're talking about, Tables All Productions. And our mission statement is, I looked at the mission statement for your theater company, Trademark Theater, and they're eerily similar, although <laughs> I think ours was maybe a little bit snarkier in the way we worded it. But but our point was, we are creating new works by Minnesota artists to mm-hmm. be performed here in Minnesota. And, totally. And that's sort of what Trademark does. Tell me a little bit about, about Trademark yeah, Theater. Yeah, so that was, I mean, essentially our 
our hold that we want to fill in the community is to be, you know, a significant institution that's promoting new works uh, here in the cities. Um, we're starting that by creating new works ourselves, but I think we want to quickly start commissioning people, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be writers or, you know, ensemble divisors or any any sort of creative process. Uh, we want to create basically a hub for new works here in the Twin Cities. Um, we were just looking around the the local market mm-hmm. and looking at some of the, the bigger institutions and saying, man, there's very few if if any companies that are solely devoting their resources to new works there's a ton, a ton of programs or ton of companies that have programs for new works mm-hmm. you know uh latte das next series yep. uh the raw stages fresh ink and fresh ink yep um but few are uh committing all of their resources to new works and i think that's to really get behind the new works game you have to put all of your stuff behind it because it's so easy to to eventually go, oh, man, we just, like, it hasn't been going so well. We just got to do another Oklahoma. And you just fall into that, you know, you fall <laughs> yeah, into that yeah, cycle absolutely. of, like, oh, yeah, that's easier. That It's it's yeah. way Safe, easier. Safer. And safer. safer. Yeah. And audiences might enjoy it more yeah. in the long run. Yeah. Um, well, no, not in the long run, but in the, in in the, the immediate. Run. Because yeah. I think in the long run, people are going to invest more right. in new, exciting, engaging, provocative. Um, and that's really where we want to go. Um, and who is we? Who is trademark? Um, it's myself um, and my artistic associate Tyler Mills, who mm-hmm. is also a bearded company member. Um, okay. That's how we met. Sidebar: um, He's married to Deborah Berger. Yes, good friend who recently starred in our production of Legendary Ladies it's, of Country. It's all cyclical it all here. All fits yeah. together. Um, so you, Tyler, and he's Mills. a writer, um, yeah. and you know, very passionate about the same things I'm passionate about. So, um, and your wife is a yeah. She she does all the marketing and. Um, social media managing, which I know nothing about, and she's fantastic at it. Um, and what roles do do – so you said that's what she does. What, what roles do you and Tyler Mills fall into uh, So I'm artistic director and mm-hmm. he's artistic associate, um, which and is sort of a you, catch-all term for my partner. Okay. Do you both write? <laughs> uh, Tyler definitely writes more than me. Okay. Um, I don't really consider myself a writer, though I do um, I do write but I don't consider myself a, a great writer. <laughs> okay, but but nevertheless, you're creating content, and that's definitely. I, I, I'm I'm sort of fixated on this phrase lately because the older I get, the more obsessed is the wrong word, but interested in creating content as opposed to recycling someone else's content. Totally. Do, you, do you feel that way? And what is yes. that, what is that like for you? Yeah, um, I would like to explore myself becoming more of like a it's it's such a silly term but like a theater artist rather than just like a performer sure. or a director yeah. or or a choreographer like i want to do it all mm-hmm. and i think in terms of trademark i see myself more as like um artistic oversight on projects i think i have a really good eye for looking at other people's work and saying i see these ideas and here's how to make them even better or or offering up suggestions for uh, you know, uh, how this needs to be constructed mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. like what kind of performers we're looking for or aesthetically what needs to happen on stage for the show to be the most successful. So it's sort of like dipping into like a, a director's eye and a producer's eye and also a performer's eye. Like how does it feel to be on stage in this piece? Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of like have an oversight of projects, but also to let people completely 
uh, flourish in their own creation and their own design and say like, yes, go, like play, do, and we can figure out how to support you and make you an even better artist. So this role you're describing that you you envision yourself expanding into, are there there people in town who, um, to your mind, already inhabit that role and that you've learned these... Yeah. These notions from. I think Peter Rothstein is mm-hmm. definitely one of those people, uh, especially watching him uh, interact with new works. Um, I've been in a, a few rooms with him working on new projects, and he's just always so wonderful. He's How, incredibly supportive. I, yes. I mean, he's he's so incredibly supportive, and he, but he also has a really strong perspective that he's coming from mm-hmm. and will will be clear about what that perspective is. But at the end of the day, he, he acknowledges that it's the artist's work, the composer and the lyricist and the book writer. It's their work. It's not La Teda's work until it's put on stage in opening night. You, mm-hmm. know, you know what I mean? Um, and he's... I think I've learned a lot from him just in general leadership of a company. I mm-hmm. think I'm trying to emulate him a lot because, I mean, he's he's a mentor of mine on some level. And I just really respect what he's been able to do over the past 20 years with his company. It It is astonishing. I remember when they started out at the old Loring Playhouse, which yeah. doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> but where they have gone mm-hmm. is so far beyond it's incredible. where I yeah. think any of us expected. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Any other local mentors you want to throw into that pile? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Joe Koala was mm-hmm. one of my mentors. Um, he flying foot form. Do yep. you, you've done shows with them? Uh, yeah, a few projects with them. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, he taught me how to be a tap dancer. Oh wow! Like straight up, <laughs> he taught me everything I know. He okay. he was really a dance mentor here locally for me. Um, but also just, I mean, he's creating his own stuff, and yeah. that I, I saw him doing that and. He he's like a more is more person, which is just like such a <laughs> wonderful perspective to come from. So to see somebody like doing that really successfully uh, was really cool. Um, Joe Dowling uh, was another one of my mentors. Uh, sort of that uh, My Fair Lady Christmas Carol Midsummer that sort mm-hmm. of like span of mm-hmm. one and a half to two years. I mean, he really saw something in me and really gave me a lot of chances uh, to really sink my teeth into mm-hmm. some stuff that other people hadn't given me a chance on Shakespeare and straight plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was incredible. Michael Brindisi, I already mentioned, uh, out at Chanhassen mm-hmm. just gave me like so many roles when I was just out of college. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Just all these people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking as a performer, are there, are there people that when you hear they're doing something, you'll go out of your way to see it? Yeah. Um, definitely. Well, to start off Sally Wingert, cause mm-hmm. duh. Um, she's just incredible in pretty much everything she does. Have you performed with her on stage? Yeah. In, uh, we did Cabaret and Sweeney Todd. She was great in Cabaret. She and Jim Detmar were <laughs> yeah, fantastic. They were great. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- there's a lot of young performers I'm like super jazzed about too. Uh, some of them I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with on both sides of the table. Uh, Nathan Barlow, I think, is mm, just mm-hmm. an incredible performer mm-hmm. and and just has a, an ability to be completely natural on stage and super charming. Jason Rojas is another wonderful performer um, who just brings like an intensity and an, and a vigor to his work that is in, incredible to me. Um, Addie Phelps is an, another lovely young performer. I don't know her. Um, she's just has the ability to be the most vulnerable on stage that I've ever seen. Oh, fantastic. And she did a reading of a play that we did for Trademark uh, last fall. Okay. And she'll actually be uh, in the world premiere of that 
a project coming up in the fall. Uh, the play is called Understood. Which I saw, by the way, it came across my Facebook feed that you guys have recently completed sales of your season. Yes. Um, three shows a year you do? Or three uh, shows this season? Three, I would say three projects. So we're three doing uh, a reading, uh, a concert presentation, and then a world premiere production. Okay. And do give me the brief pricey on those things. What, what, yeah. What are you uh, so Understood is a two-person play written by Tyler Mills. Um, it was sort of his reaction to the election. Uh, it's about a couple, uh, the, two, the 2016 election, I should say, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a, a married couple sort of lost in their relationship. Uh, they separate from each other and sort of by happenstance start interacting with uh pseudo strangers that hold extremely different worldviews ah, than okay. them sort of politically culturally uh religiously however you want to say um but it's only two people performing in the show so those oh, people playing those the, the married couple also plays those opposite roles that okay. the opposite person in the relationship gets to interact with so uh it's been a really interesting process this sort of really sat in really intimate uh interpersonal play hmm. with this added dichotomy of this um convention of two people playing all of these different roles from really really vastly different perspectives and that's Addie Phelps Addie Phelps uh and, and uh Sasha Andreev will be playing oh, the other role good friend of mine um, like and that's in Great. the fall Great. um and then backtracking from that we're doing uh a Sleepy Hollow loose adaptation. Uh, basically, the idea is we're going to create a concept album based on the Sleepy Hollow uh, mythology and yeah. story and novella. Just uh, from the neighborhood where I grew up, upstate New oh, York. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, and so then who's... basically put movement to that concept okay. album. So a oh, very great. abstracted sort of musical yeah. journey um, that hopefully we'll be producing in the next two years. And whose music is that? Uh, it's two uh, local musicians, uh, Jenna Weiss and Joey oh, Ford. Tree Party. I yes, love those Tree guys. Party yeah. and the Poor Nobodies. They're sort okay. of smashing those two sounds together oh, to create fantastic. this interesting soundscape that we're okay. going to explore. I got to direct them. We, we put them into a Christmas, uh, oh, Christmas awesome. on the Ranch. Super great people. Yeah, great yeah. people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and then uh, backtracking even more, uh, we just did a reading in April. Uh, of understood which we're going to produce uh in the fall okay that's that's very exciting there's some awesome roles on your resume um you played hugo in bye bye birdie you played moritz in spring awakening you did the mc in cabaret prince eric in disney's <laughs> the little mermaid you did peter pan uh you also were in peter and the star catcher which yeah. is a little parallel that's kind of cool yeah um balladeer in the recent production of assassins at la Teda. you did tony must sorry what has been your if you can uh, your favorite performance, what, and, it, and not necessarily like, oh, this is this was my favorite role I ever played. It could yeah. even the answer could even be, I had the most transcendent moment while I was playing such. You know, sure. What, what has been your favorite? I have a few, um, and I'll run through them quickly. Maybe uh, Spring Awakening was probably my first professionally. Um, working with Carl Flink, the choreographer, just sort of manifested a lot of the the physical wants that I want in performing. Carl um, runs a BLM Black Label Movement, a dance company in town, and they're very – they just sort of like throw themselves against the wall. Mm-hmm. Like they are physically engaged to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brought that into Spring Awakening, and that's I think how I like to use my body and my physicality on stage is just like use every ounce of your capabilities – and just put it out there, like put it all out on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. That sort of like manifested a lot of my young artistic wants as a okay. performer. 
Um, Cabaret was just an incredible experience. It was amazing. Um, That production was amazing. And again, it's sort of like was an an ability to like combine a lot of my skills, like Mm -hmm. some circus training, Mm -hmm. um, just like some really great music. And I really like playing those roles that are that are so closely linked to the audience that they can't exist without them. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of, um, they can move in and out of the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like playing those roles. I think it's it's like a little bit of that improv world seeping sure. into the theatricality. Yeah, yeah. Like um, it's different every night, that kind of thing. Um, so that, and just just to manipulate an audience with that character is just a thrilling experience because mm-hmm. you're sort of their friend, but you're also sort of their enemy. And you're sort of on the journey with them. Anyways, all, all of that I yeah. just really yeah. loved about that show. Um, and then Midsummer at the Guthrie, too, playing Puck was another role where it just sort of culminated all of my skills. Uh, I got to be extremely physical. Mm-hmm. I got to do some really cool music that was completely original to the production. Um, and then also uh, dipping into something uh, not new because I have a lot of training in it from college, but new professionally mm-hmm. uh, was do, just doing a lot of Shakespeare and a lot of really rich language that um, I, I just love to do as well. And I hope to get to do more of. Nice. This is, I know that this is potentially a difficult question to answer and it all totally <coughs> puts you on the spot, but has there ever been a disaster? <laughs> has there ever been a disaster? <laughs> um, I do have one story. Um, and it was really recent. And another thing that I maybe I'm trying to black out a little bit, <laughs> but uh, I got very, very sick. I I had the flu for the first time in probably like 10 years uh, during Assassins uh, with Latte Da just very recently. Um, and it was closing weekend. And I got so sick that I completely lost my voice. I mean, I was like, I was dogging down here. It was really <laughs> terrible. So there was sort of the option to either cancel the show and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to cancel a show. I'm not going to like take this opportunity away from so many people. Um, or walk the role and have somebody else sing and speak the role off stage. Wow. Um, so that was like really, I mean, it was kind of a thrilling experience because it was just like, you know, the show must go on kind of scenario. (laughs) And I, I wow. look back on it and I don't hate it whatsoever. Sure. Like it was, yeah. like I said, it was kind of a thrilling experience. I definitely felt like I had egg on my face the whole time. Because, yeah. you know, How you're just, you not? all yeah. you're doing is just walking a role yeah. and somebody else is, you know, singing it for you. Oh, wow. But at the same time, there was the Lee Harvey Oswald scene, which was a really interesting sort of like meta weird wow. thing to have somebody yeah. standing off to the yeah. side. and. We brought the guy on stage, uh, Lucas Wells. Thank you so much for uh, covering my butt. Um, he walked out on stage and kind of stood up on the side on a okay. platform and just held the script and oh. read all the words while I physicalized it. And there was this weird thing of like an assassin, like all these thoughts in his head. Yeah, that's and, super you know, interesting. All the other assassins trying to like pressure him to do this thing, and it was it was really surreal in the moment and i was also had like a really high fever so i was like probably like a little <laughs> tripped out on some level but um that was probably the biggest like oh my god what are we gonna do scenarios i i have said to a lot of people after that 
that I feel like it's going to be one of those stories that we look back in like 10 years and go, hey, guys, remember when Latte Dot didn't have understudies and I had to like walk that role and it was like super weird and it was and it was like on closing and like Joe Hodge was in the audience oh and we just God. feel like terrible about it. It already uh, is one of those stories. So yeah. We're talking about 10 yeah. years. It's a great story. So that, I mean, that yeah. was like a thrilling and yeah. like horrifying yeah. and but also like really enjoyable experience. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> You've told me what your theater company's up to. Do you know, as a performer, as an actor, what you're doing next? Are you in something? Are you casting something? Yeah, uh, I am doing West Side Story at the Guthrie coming up this summer. Oh, okay. I'm super excited about it. Playing? Uh, I just know I'm playing a jet right now. Okay. Because when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. All the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, should be finding out soon what role, and I'm Great. just super excited to be Who's a part directing? of the process. Uh, Joe Hosh. Oh, it is. Okay, because yeah. I, uh, I met the new... Um, the new associate artistic director the other day. And I, oh, yeah, I wondered, Jeff Mianza? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wondered if he was taking it, because I know John Miller, Stephanie used to direct the musicals mm -hmm. while Joe Dowling would do the other stuff. You know, So uh, I wondered if Jeff Mianza was going to... Jeff Mianza is doing, uh, he's directing the summer play okay. in the proscenium. Cool. Yeah. Well, this has been really interesting. Would you Would you mind singing for us? Sure. Yay. Uh, what do you want to sing? Um, I'd love to sing How Glory Goes from Floyd Collins. Okay. I think the song might need a little bit of setup for people. So quickly, what is what is the musical Floyd Collins um, yeah, um, based on a, a coal miner, right? Am yeah, I remembering that right? Uh, and he gets trapped. Basically, long story short, he gets trapped in a coal mine and he sort of spends the whole show uh, wondering if he's going to die or not. Fantastic. And this is the song where he's sort of... Um, coming up against what is the afterlife and if i do die what what happens to me and what happens to my consciousness my spirituality uh what happens to the other people that are left behind and how how do i stay connected to them um and it's a really really poignant beautiful piece great all right well this is tyler michael singing how glory goes Is it warm? Is it soft against your face? Do you feel a kind of grace inside the breeze? Will there be trees? Is there light? Does it hover on the ground? Does it shine from all around or just from you? Is it endless and empty and you wander on your own? Slowly forget about the folks that you have known. Or does the rising bread fill up the air From open kitchens everywhere Familiar faces far as you can see Like a family Do we live? Is it like a little town? Do we get to look back down? at who we love Are we above? Are we everywhere? Are we anywhere at all? Do we hear a trumpet call us and we're by your side? 
I should have done Longing to finish what I'd only just begun Or has the shining truth been waiting there For all the questions everywhere In a world of wandering suddenly be there waiting for me smiling like the way she does and holding out her arms and she calls my name she will hold me just the same Only heaven knows how glory goes What each of us was meant to be In the starlight that is what we are I can see so That was beautiful. That's a gorgeous song. Thank you. And a beautiful performance. Is that, have you played this role? No, I haven't. Okay. I'd love to though. Is this, a, okay, <laughs> mental <laughs> note. Is this a song you sing at auditions or why did you, why did you pick this song? You know, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't ever sang this at an audition. Um, it's sort of one I've had, I think since college, uh, but it's just sort of been sort of at the back of my book. Um, sure. And, uh, but it's, you know, I lost both of my grandfathers uh, this past summer, um, and it just sort of like came back into my consciousness. Hmm. And uh, I sang it a few times during that time, mm -hmm. or, or just like listened to it, and it sort of really opened up for me what this song means and what it's trying yeah. to share. Yeah, I did sing it at uh, Saint Joan of Arc uh, for one of their uh, cabarets. Yeah, one of yeah. their cabarets. And a woman came up to me afterwards and said, I just lost my husband and oh. I really needed to hear that right now. And it brought me a lot of a lot of comfort and clarity. And the the piece has just been like really profound for me lately. So I uh I feel really passionate about the song. Nice. Yeah. Isn't it isn't it amazing when when people that you don't know yeah. come up to you and you realize that I mean, I don't wanna, you know, we're not out there on the front lines defending perhaps democracy with our guns and what but but i mean what we do makes a difference in people's lives yeah it's, and and when they tell you it it's very meaningful i like the the phrase art doesn't change the world it changes people mm -hmm. and no. i think that's true yeah well, Tyler, we call this podcast ask the music director <gasps> oh so, yeah <laughs> so we get a and and most of it is thankfully me asking other people questions <laughs> But this is an opportunity for uh, you and everyone who's on this podcast to ask me anything you want. It could be about me. It could be about my career. It could be about me as a music director. What do I yeah. think about when I uh, put out an audition notice or sit in an audition room or sit in rehearsals? What do I want to hear? How do I want people to, to be prepared? Any, anything like that. So yeah. I'm going to turn it over to you now. Um, what, uh, what do you feel the difference is between, or is there a difference, uh, between 
vocal coaching and music direction. And do you feel like a music director in a musical should fill both roles or that, you know, you should do your vocal coaching beforehand or where do you like to do one or the other in a process? Maybe this is also a question about like, what's your, what's your process like in a, say a musical sure um as a music director yeah no that's a great that's a great question to answer any of that (laughs) that's a great question because i was just in this situation i mentioned um over at the guthrie uh they needed an accompanist for uh the the bfa program the juniors were doing a class with jeff Mm. uh uh, on interpreting the song so Mm -hmm. there were several days and they needed several accompanists to come and i got to do it for two days and in that situation it was really a master class which i love doing Mm -hmm. by the way i I don't like to teach but i love doing master classes because there's a point a and a point b and i know that i can get someone from a point (laughs) a to point b and i love that experience and then everyone sort of sees it and experiences it together um when i'm music directing a show i kind of don't want to do that okay i will do that yeah if especially if i see something that is addressable like um i was music directing a i was music directing rent uh that Cardinal Theatricals did a number of years ago uh, at the Lab Theater. And there was a uh, one of the singers was, uh, and it's a little bit easier for me to address things in, in male singers because I'm that's what I am. Sure. I have a harder time with uh, technique with female singers. But there was something he was not doing that would have helped his performance. And I took him aside and we spent 15 minutes on it. And it was a little light bulb moment. And mm-hmm. then it helped his performance from there on. And that's... I will absolutely always do that. But the older I get, the less I want to do. Th- I I will not lead warm-ups at the beginning <laughs> yeah, of rehearsal yeah, yeah. because I think you got to do that on your own. I mm-hmm. will not teach voice lessons in a, in a rehearsal because you got to do that stuff on your own. Right. I would rather work on crafting your performance of this piece as opposed to your overall mm-hmm. performance. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. That's a great question. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, This has been a real pleasure, Tyler Michaels, um, getting to know you and hopefully the audience getting to know you as well. Uh, Likewise to you. Thank you. (laughs) Today you heard Tyler sing How Glory Goes from Floyd Collins, written by Adam Gettle. All our podcast music is licensed through Harry Fox Agency. You can find Tyler on the web at tylermichaels.com and trademarktheater.org. Tune in next week when my guest will be Leslie Vincent. Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 mm-hmm. was my favorite show on Broadway at the okay. time. My second day there, I saw it. Okay. Actually, I think my first day there, I saw it. I was like, <laughs> I must see the show immediately. Um, met Britton Ashford, who plays um, Sonia in the show. At the stage door, I was like, you know, you're an inspiration to me. Your wow. voice is so unique. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible to me that your voice is on Broadway. Okay, two weeks later, I met her again on the train, but she did not remember me. Okay. So she's, she just started talking to me. Wow. And that day I'd been super lost because the, sometimes the trains don't go on the way they're supposed to go. And I didn't know where I was or how okay. to get to the sure. train I needed. Yeah. And I asked her, then she's like, where are you from? We started talking. And I went on her Facebook page and I sent her a message. Like not uh-huh. her personal page, yeah. but her yeah. actor page. Yeah. And I said, hey, this is maybe crazy, but I, I'm the girl you met on the train. I don't know if this is you, but I'm here for the month. I'd love a friend if you're 
Aww. free. And she was like, I'd love to. <gasps> You're kidding. I'm not oh even kidding God. you. Oh my God, you made friends with a Broadway star. And you're so just, we, met up, we met up for um, coffee in Brooklyn and just like took a lovely wow. walk and talked and I kind of picked her brain. But I didn't, I didn't want to tell her that I'd already seen the show. Okay. I didn't want to be like, I'm your fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. I pretended oh, I totally that, that I yeah. did not see it okay. and also that I didn't know it. Which is hilarious because if you're a musical theater person in New York, like you know <laughs> Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812, and then she was like, "Well, you should come see the show I'm in." So she like got me a ticket, and I like went to see it, and then like she came out at the stage door, and I like went in with her, which was such a reversal yeah. from that first night. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Do you have any comments, questions, suggestions? You can always reach me on Facebook at Ask the MD Podcast or on the webpage, askthemdpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you get a chance, leave us a review. It'll help others find their way to us. Thank you. <laughs>